Good evening. Merry Christmas. Every Sunday in December, we have been reminding ourselves of everything that Jesus came to bring. We've been lighting a candle to represent that, that Jesus came to bring peace. He came to bring hope. He came to bring life. Tonight we're celebrating Jesus came to bring joy. And our scripture reading is starting from the book of Matthew. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And the husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All these took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us.
gather tonight to worship King Jesus. Our prayer has been that we would decrease, that he would increase, that we would come this evening to adore him. I want to invite us to do that this evening, to posture our hearts, to look at him, to be reminded of everything that our Savior is.
have a seat. Luke 2, 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the Lord, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Church, let me invite you to stand up. Let's sing the song, Joy to the World.
earth, the Savior reigns. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men in their songs in glory. While fields and blood, rocks, hills and plains, repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sound. Tell me. 
Invite you to grab a seat. Merry Christmas. I vowed to myself I would not walk up here and say good morning, and I did it. 
So glad to see you this afternoon. So glad that you're here to celebrate with us. My name is Jason Hatch. If I have not uh, had the pleasure to meet you, I get to be the lead and the teaching pastor here at Redeemer. Uh, And before we jump into Luke chapter 2 for a few moments this afternoon, I want to share a couple quick announcements with you. Uh, First off, I know we've got so many brand new people, so many people visiting from out of town. If that's you, uh, we're so honored that you're going to come join with us today and worship with us. Um, I hope you enjoy your stay here in Midland, Texas. It's a wonderful place this time of year. Also, if you're brand new with us, you're visiting and you're in Midland, we would love to connect with you. If that is you, two quick ways that we can connect with you. Uh, Number one, text connect uh, to the number here on the screen and we will send you a digital connect form. Uh, We really want to find out any ways that we might be able to serve you and connect you with meaningful ministries here at Redeemer. Uh, Also, you can text info and you'll get our weekly announcements of things going on uh, here in the life of the church. Uh, Next, very important that nobody missed this, but next Sunday we do as we have done uh, every year since we planted. Redeemer, uh, we will take the, the Sunday off to give our staff and our uh, many, many servants and uh, people that here devote their life to a lot of uh, things set up and tear down and just as servants to the church, uh, we will not be meeting here next Sunday morning. So um, if you come, you just might find yourself in a very lonely situation. And then the next uh, week, we will start our year off on Sunday, January 7th. Would love to see you. Would love to come back. Um, We're starting a new series that uh, we're calling very simply Community Gospel and Mission. Um, That sums up really the identity statement of who we are as a church. We've said this for years that we are a, if you're part of Redeemer, help me out. We are a gospel-centered, missional family. Uh, I was talking to someone not long ago that um, had told me that for a long time, for years, they only went to church twice a year. They went on Easter and on Christmas, uh, and when they showed up, they realized that there was way more than just two sermons. They really felt like, I just heard two sermons my whole life, and when I came up, realized that uh, God had a lot more to say. So uh, I want to invite you to come back and join us as we look at just what the gospel actually does to change our lives from the inside out, what it truly means to live in good gospel freedom friendship and community, and what it means to live life on mission. And last but not least, uh, we do have um, a photo booth in the lobby. would encourage you to try to get a picture uh, with your loved ones and family before you leave today. All right, let me invite you to turn to um, Luke chapter 2. And um, this is probably uh, something that will be read around many a tree and many a campfire all over the world um, just today and tomorrow because this is such an unbelievable story of what we get to celebrate at Christmas. Uh, At Redeemer, as Pastor Jonathan mentioned, the last few weeks we've been looking at Advent. Uh, And what that word just simply means is coming or arrival. What does it mean when Jesus arrived? What gifts did he bring with him, so to speak, uh, to humanity? Uh, And we kind of join our voices with thousands of churches all over the world that set aside a few weeks to focus very specifically on these four gifts that Jesus came uh, to deliver to us. Uh, We looked at hope. What what truly is hope that Jesus has brought? Not wishful thinking that something might get better, um, but a rock-solid promise that is just as sure as the uh, sun coming up tomorrow. We looked at hope uh, a few weeks ago. We looked at peace. What does it truly mean that Jesus, uh, as the Prince of Peace, delivers peace to his people that the world cannot offer, the world cannot take away? It's peace that gets all the way down to the core. Peace with God, peace in your own heart, peace with others. Last Sunday, we looked at love, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So we are convinced of the love of God at Christmas. We're convinced of the love of God at the cross, but also for those who believe in him, uh, we, we are ministered the love of God 
consistently through the Holy Spirit in our hearts, just reminded that God loves us. And for today, uh, what we are going to talk about is joy. Everybody say joy. joy. All right, and everybody say joy with a smile on your face and joy in your hearts. What an important thing to talk about. You may not even know this, but God designed you, he designed all of us at the end of the day to experience a deep and eternal sense of joy. Um, this was the message of the messengers at the beginning of the first Christmas. Luke chapter 2 says this, in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Normally, when someone with any type of uh, moral authority over us shows up, there's kind of a hesitation. I don't know if you've ever been pulled over by a cop. Anyone? You're like, not today. If you've been pulled over and they come to your window and they start leaning in asking questions, a lot of times you just kind of have this defense mechanism that gets thrown up. You're like, oh my gosh. I, may, maybe I have weapons all in the back of my car. Maybe I have drugs I haven't even thought about. You just kind of get nervous because someone with legitimate moral authority and power is now kind of up in your face. If a cop shows up to your door, um, chances are you're not going to say, hey, why don't you just come on in? Um, let me kind of parade you around the house. I want you to look in every room because you have this kind of natural defense mechanism when a moral authority shows up. Could you imagine, like, literally imagine what your natural response would be if God sent a messenger from heaven to come confront you and talk to you in the middle of a field. If God showed up, I'm guessing most of us, myself included, would not be, oh, I'm so, God, I'm so glad that you're here. Why don't you come on in my heart? There's no problems there. You just kind of welcome in, see yourself around. No, we, we kind of know that there's something broken and missing and lacking, and so they're approached by angels from God, and their first reaction was fear. And it's so important how the angel showed up and what they say. The angel said to them, this is the the heavenly introduction to the coming Christmas. He says, fear not. I mean, he could read all over their faces. They were nervous that a spokesman for God Almighty was coming to speak to them, and the angel said, fear not. Calm down, take a deep breath, for behold, I bring you good news. They were bracing for bad news. The angel says, fear not, I bring you good news of great joy. That, that word great in the original language that it was written and that it was spoken by the angels, it means a, a big, an eternal, a weighty, a robust, a, a bulletproof, a suffering-proof joy. This was the message of the angels at Christmas. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, robust joy, big joy. Bring you good news, great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Joy is such a dominant theme in the Bible because it is what we were created to have. Uh, human beings, by God's design, were created to experience deep, abiding, eternal joy. Um, in, in the 1600s, 
Um, the collective church uh, was gathering together some of the, the best and the brightest theologians uh, really on, on the, the, in the known world, uh, and they were trying to develop what we call catechisms. Uh, maybe you've never heard that word. Maybe you've heard that word, don't know what it is. What a catechism is, uh, it's just simply some question and answers that were designed to be memorized so that they could be transferred very easily. Um, you would learn these question and answers so that you could help teach brand new Christians and, uh, and even kids just the very basic elements of the faith. And they gathered together 121 Puritan theologians and pastors and scholars, some of the most gifted and brightest minds on the planet that had devoted their lives to reading and understanding God's word. And they, all 121 of them, gathered together for five years. And the brightest theological minds on the planet for five years going through the scriptures uh, developed this, uh, what we call the Westminster Catechism, and it's question and answer. And the number one question that made the top of their list was basically, what is the chief end of man? What, what is everybody after? What's at the end of the day the goal for humanity and the most brilliant minds that had spent five years perusing this entire book summed it down to this, and they said, what is the chief end of man? Man. Man's chief end, so many of y'all know this, is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. I don't know if you've ever heard Christianity summed up that way. Chances are maybe you haven't. Maybe you've heard Christianity summed up in a list of things to do and things not to do and punishments to avoid, but they got together and said, this is the reason God created humanity, to glorify Him and enjoy, be filled with joy forever. God's design is joy. Joy is, it's broken, it's fleeting, it's so hard for many of us to come by. Sin has broken it, uh, living in a very broken world has stolen it, and Jesus comes on the scene, the angel messenger before him says, I've got good news, great joy for all people. I want to read a few things. These are not on the screen, but these are a few snippets out of uh, a book that we call Philippians. And if you start talking or thinking about joy, uh, the book of Philippians often uh, comes up because it is maybe the most concentrated place in the Bible that just talks about joy. And I just want to, to read a few things the Apostle Paul said to the church in uh, Philippi when he wrote this. And, and because this is, uh, he mentions the idea of joy or rejoicing 16 times in this really short book. In chapter one, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, Always, in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy. He says, I'm praying for you, and I pray always, and when I do, I'm so filled with joy. Later on, he says, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. I feel so much joy. And he says, yes, and I will rejoice. He says, I do rejoice now. I will rejoice in the future. In chapter 3, he says, finally, my brothers, and always beware when a pastor says, finally, it so sometimes doesn't mean that much because he's still got a few chapters to go. He says, finally, my brothers rejoice in the Lord. A chapter later, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say rejoice 16 times over and over in Philippians. You just hear joy flowing out of a man named Paul. Now, if you did not have much context for the book of Philippians, I, I think we would be tempted, let's just say you, you just, for the first time in your life, you read through the book of Philippians and you just sensed this overwhelming joy. There would be a temptation to think, oh, I bet Paul, he's probably writing this from a cruise ship in the Mediterranean 
with servants all around him. They have palm leaves and they are fanning him. They are uh, like putting grapes and feeding him uh, one by one, grapes in his mouth. He just like, how he sounds, it just seems like he has got to be living just the good life, no problems, no physical ailments, just like because of the way he's talking, he must be living in some really incredible circumstances. Just really good situations in his life must have produced this sense of joy. But when you start looking into the context of Philippians, it is so wildly different. I, I, the context of Philippians is Paul, who his friends, many of them had abandoned him. He had been uh, persecuted for uh, sake of the gospel. He had been arrested, put in a, uh, a prison cell in Rome, chained to a praetorian guard, and, and just probably sick, alone, abandoned. And it, it's in the midst of that that we get this most beautiful picture of joy. Because joy, and you need, you need to know this in, in the West in 2023, joy and your circumstances are not connected to one another. Joy comes from something totally different. Most of us, I, I believe, are, are, are looking for joy, and if we feel like that we're, we're missing some sense of joy, then we go on the lookout. Most of the places we look is to try to have different circumstances. Think if I can just have a little more money, a little less problems, a little less suffering, a little different situation, a little different kids, a little different parents, better friends. If we can just, we, we try to search for joy through a change of circumstances through a change of a situation. And if you're honest with yourself, I wonder how many of us would say, I, I would just still searching. Over the years, my situation has changed, my circumstances have changed, but it has not brought me the joy that I was after. It's interesting to me that both in the Bible and in history, um, those who found a deep sense of joy did so in the midst of very difficult circumstances, very difficult situations. In fact, Francis Chan says this, he says, the Bible teaches that true joy is often formed in the midst of difficult seasons of life. One pastor I read recently, he said this, he says, joy is best sown in broken ground. That if God's going to plant joy in your heart and your life like a seed, that um, oftentimes until that, the, the soil of our heart has been plowed and broken by suffering, that seed can't get very far. And yet this angel shows up and he says, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. So Paul in Philippians desperately wanted the Philippians and you and I to experience a deep sense of joy, but what he never does is he never prays for their situations to change. Did y'all get that? Some of them were in very difficult situations. Some of them were being uh, persecuted. They were suffering deeply, and Paul wanted them so deeply to experience joy, but he never prayed and asked God to change their situations. What he prayed is that they might meet Jesus. Okay, the angel did not show up and say, behold, I got good news. Calm down. Take a breather. It's not bad news. It's good news of great joy that will be to all people because you're just, I'm going to come remove suffering. I'm going to come give you all the money that you could dream of. I'm going to make sure that you never hear the word cancer again. 
I'm going to make sure that you're never slandered. I'm going to make sure that you're never gossiped about. I'm going to make sure that you're never betrayed and never forgotten. The angel does not connect joy to removing anything, but he connects joy to the presence of Jesus. And don't miss that. Don't miss that joy is connected to the presence of Jesus, not the absence of difficulty. Elizabeth Elliot, who many of you know had um, a fairly difficult life. Her husband was a missionary who was killed on the mission field, and she said this. She says, the secret, talking about joy, is Christ in me, not me in a new set of circumstances. The secret that Paul had found to joy was not a change in situation, was not a change in circumstances, but actually the very presence of God. J.C. Ryle says this, for a man or a woman to be truly happy, He must have sources of gladness that are not dependent on anything in this world. I cannot promise anything about this next year coming up that 2024 will be better, will be worse. I can't promise anything about your circumstances or my circumstances or that any situations will change. But what I can promise is some angels showed up and they said Jesus is coming and he is bringing with him joy. said, good news. Great joy, all people. Why? Because unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Three things very clearly we see about Jesus that we need to know and embrace today. It says that Jesus is coming, he's going to be born, and he is going to be a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Let me explain those three concepts fairly quickly and invite you to just simply embrace all of Jesus and all three of those things. Uh, the, the angels show up and say that Jesus is a Savior. And I don't know if you know this, this is probably offensive to all of us in some sense, but um, w- the Bible paints a picture that we're in trouble, uh, we're broken, and we're so deeply broken that we cannot change ourselves, that we need a Savior to come in from the outside to rescue us and to save us. We don't need good advice. How many of y'all have had good advice? Every day, your whole life, it's not working, right? Like we don't need good advice. We need good news. That's what the gospel is, that Jesus saves. Jesus forgives. Jesus rescues. He's a savior. You don't need help. You don't need advice. You don't need tips. You need to be saved. That's what Jesus does. He is a savior to those who ask to those who throw their self on the mercy and the grace and the kindness of Christ. It says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ. The word Christ means the, the anointed one, the sent one, the special one, and that he is the one all of the Old Testament had been searching for for hundreds of years. And I'll quote Keller as I do so often, whether you know this or not, I believe that he is the one that you have been searching for. Every human being is searching for peace, hope, joy, love, fulfillment, meaning, looking sometimes in all the wrong places, And whether we know it or not, what we're actually longing for is the one, the anointed one, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And Keller says that if we reject Jesus, we will never be able to stop searching for him. He is the Savior, the Christ, the one we are looking for, the one that we need. And it says he is the Lord. That means he is the boss. He is in charge. And I know this. He can do a better job with my life and with your life than we can. 
And so if Jesus is the Savior, the Christ, the Messiah, the Lord of all, the only logical response is for us to bend our lives, to bow our knees, to give him our heart, and to treat him as he deserves to be treated. The angels, they came. And Christmas is not just simply about a baby being born. Christmas is about God visiting us. He said, behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord. If you have never responded to Christ, may I ask and plead and pray that you would consider he is the one who is the source of joy. If you have found Christ, no matter what your circumstances are, you have an endless source of joy. Without him, no change of circumstance can produce the joy that you're searching. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We need you. We praise you. We exalt you. And no one rivals you. People all over planet Earth are worshiping you as we speak in every language and tongue that we can imagine. God, all the people around the world, we join our voices to exalt not just the birth Savior, but the risen Savior who died for our sins, rose from the grave, ever lives to intercede for us, and gives a deep sense of joy. God, I pray that you would help us through your spirit to be a joyful people. Would your joy so fill us up that it might be contagious to those around us? Father, for someone that might have come in in this room this afternoon, God, needing joy, I pray that they might not seek that in a change of situation, but they might find that in a relationship with you. Jesus, you are to be worshiped and exalted. We love you. We need you as our Savior. We embrace you as the Christ, and we bow our knees to you as the Lord. Through your spirit, I pray these things. Amen. Amen. I want to um, lead us through what has become a tradition for us um, here at Redeemer that we get uh, some time every Christmas Eve um, to celebrate something that's actually very special. It's a candlelight service. And so uh, we've got some folks in the room that are ready and prepared. So let me invite you, if that's you, to go ahead and uh, begin lighting some candles. And as you do, let me give you a couple uh, instructions. Some of these are more technical, and some of these will get into just some of the deep meaning behind what we're doing. Um, as you do light the candles, make sure that uh, the one that is not lit turns towards the one that is lit so that you do not dump hot wax on your neighbor. Uh, also, if you're a parent in the room with kids, you are now officially uh, deputized as some type of um, fire warden. Uh, keep an eye on the kids. A lot of kids hopefully have the battery-powered candles as well. Um, and, and in a moment, um, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to sing a song and we're going to uh, dim the lights and we're going to raise these candles. Uh, and this is going to signify two different things. Uh, and I, I don't want this, this very special moment to be lost on us uh, for some of the deeper meaning. Uh, but in, um, in John chapter 8, uh, Jesus tells his disciples, uh, he says, I am the light of the world meaning that Jesus has come to show us the way, to illuminate the Father, to help us understand what God is truly like. Without him, we walk in darkness. Jesus and his advent into the world is the light of the world. But then not many months later, uh, Jesus would say, you, talking to, to Christians, to disciples, 
You could say, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be easily hidden. So I want us to remember as we do this together in these next few moments that Jesus is in fact the light that has come into the world. And we get the incredible privilege and honor as Christians to shine that light to people in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our cities that need the light of Christ. We want to do that both in word and in deed. We want to share the gospel and for people to hear about the hope and the peace and love and the joy that is found in Christ. Um, But we also, thank you. But we also want to remind you, if you are a believer in Christ, to know that we have been given the responsibility to bear the light to our friends and our neighbors. So Jonathan and the band are going to lead us. We're going to sing. Then towards the end, we will raise these together and be reminded of those truths. Let's stand together. Jesus.